0: Today, we're interviewing Rachel Lamar with Lamar Real Estate. This is episode 52. Welcome to the Go Legal Yourself podcast. This show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business. celebrating 10 years in business, brought to you by Go Legal Yourself, an online business specializing in legal tools for entrepreneurs. I'm your host, attorney Kelly Bagler, the queen of business law. You can interact with us on social media and definitely do find us on the web at golegalyourself.com. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Rachel Lamar. She is the founder and owner of Lamar Real Estate, a boutique Brokerage. Welcome, Rachel. Hi Kelly. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you on the show. We have so many similarities. We do. We could spend the next forty minutes just comparing notes. <laughs> we could. And we probably bore people. <laughs> oh, trust me, they'll they'll be intrigued. But the first thing I definitely want to mention and let our audience know that you are an attorney. I am. Are you practicing? Um,
1: I don't practice per se, but only because I don't have um, practice malpractice insurance right now because my main business is residential real estate. So um, while I don't practice law, I could, but I'm busy enough with the real estate and it actually, it's a great background to have in this industry. Oh,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Having, I think most of our um congress people they're all law- lawyers aren't they
1: I think so
0: it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, tool to to fall back on if you will
1: compare ourselves to the
0: politicians right now <laughs> oh, no 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 I, w- I would never say that I mean I think they give lawyers a bad name that's how bad politicians are <laughs> well we, we that's that's one thing we have in common we are both attorneys mm-hmm. um what we like to share with the audience on this show is some sort of attorney joke. I'm sure you have plenty. Is there do you have a favorite?
1: Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. You should have told me that beforehand. Um I really don't I can't think of one. <laughs> do you have one?
0: <laughs> I've got thousands, yes, but okay, I think people like have it, already I'll heard mine. How about how about any joke at all?
1: Um well I guess this is not really a joke but it's funny. Um One of my dear friends said to me many years ago when I went into the real estate industry, she said, Rachel, you're a lawyer and you sell real estate. Now all you have to do is sell used cars and you will be one of the most hated people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Joke (laughs) but (laughs) funny.
0: Isn't it terrible? Isn't it terrible how these professions have such a bad name?
1: It is. Just a few, just a few of them that you know kind of ruin it for the rest of us who do have ethics and um, do our jobs with the goal in mind to take care of people. So it is, it is really sad.
0: Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. But we are changing minds one episode, podcast episode at a time, right? So, uh, as far as we know right now, Rachel, the Go Legal Yourself podcast has gone international. It's in probably. 23 countries already Nice. so your audience isn't just going to be here in the U.S. You're, you're going to have people listening to you around the world um,
1: Wonderful.
0: the title is celebrating 10 years in business. First of all congratulations that's a huge huge milestone.
1: Well thank you I've actually been in the business for 17 years but 10 years since I started my own uh, company so wow. yes, yes.
0: Okay, now this is getting really creepy. That's the other thing you and I have in common. I have been practicing now for seventeen years, oh. and I just celebrated last year my tenth year anniversary for Bagla Law Firm.
1: Wow, that's <laughs> fantastic!
0: You and I are on on parallel tracks here. This this is this is wonderful.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't want to tell you how long I've been a lawyer, but that's wonderful. <laughs>
0: I won't ask. I won't ask. Okay. So obviously it takes a certain mindset for someone to be in the same profession for 17 years yeah. and to have their own business for 10 years strong. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little about yourself, Rachel. How how did you get to where you are right now? Because obviously you are a very well sought after real estate broker. That's what I hear.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I basically, um, when I was a kid, I had tunnel vision. I wanted to be a lawyer
0: since I was 12 and I just knew that was when I was five.
1: We talked about this. So that was just like the (laughs) trajectory. So I, um, I, I followed that path and I went to law school and I started uh, practicing law. But the thing is, I used to work for the, um, Ventura County district attorney's office when I was in law school. And when I graduated, um, back in the nineties, I'll say when, no, (laughs) um, they, there was a hiring freeze across the state of California. So none of the interns could be hired. So all of a sudden, you know, I was being offered jobs from two different departments within the DA. And what am I going to do? So I started contracting out my services and then we moved to San Diego and, um, I did the same thing. It was really difficult, but I wasn't happy because I wasn't doing what I liked. So then I, then I got pregnant with my first child. And at the time, decided to stop working because I was working for different attorneys. But like, like I said, it wasn't my, my place really. Um, I did write some briefs that went up to the state Supreme court and one cases and such, but I, I wasn't happy. So
0: I think Rachel, you touched upon something really important there. So I'm going to be interjecting now and then, okay. right? because this, this is a, a very important point that uh, the audience definitely needs to understand is that you you what you didn't like it, right? You you It wasn't something that you liked as far as a profession goes. There's so many people around the world that are stuck in something that they have to do, right? And there's, there's just no way out of it. You and I, I feel very blessed that we're able to do what we absolutely love to do. So first point is, it wasn't something that you enjoyed doing.
1: Well, okay, so I loved being a lawyer, but I just wasn't in the right place. And at the time, the market here in San Diego County was so inundated and so tight and close-knit that, um, and because of all the government hiring freezes at the time, you really had to know people. So when I moved here from Ventura County, uh, California, it was really hard to find the job that I wanted. So I did various jobs, but they were really kind of under, I, this with, for lack of sounding, um, I don't know snobby they were just kind of under me like I was a legal secretary I was things like that um so I wasn't happy but then I got pregnant so it was kind of a great time for me to say okay I'm going to step back for a little bit I always saw myself having this big career I'm going to step back and then I'm going to come back to this you know in a couple years and see what I want to do so I took ended up taking up uh, seven years to raise my kids Uh, when my youngest was in uh, preschool several days a week I thought to myself okay it's time to go back and have a career, but um, I, at the time, because my kids were so little, I didn't want to go in back into law because I wanted to be there for the first, the first everything of, you know that they did, and be there for them when they came home. And so, my mother had been in real estate for many years in Los Angeles County where I grew up, and she was one of the top. Like she was a huge agent back in the eighties. And so I always swore I'd never do that. But I thought at this time, back in 2003, I thought, "Hey, I can I can do real estate and be a mom," which you know is a common misconception. Right. So I, I did that, and I got my license, and I it was a great time because when I got into the business, um, I started working for this the first internet-based company, which gave me leads, and um, my path just literally went like this, and I became the top producer in the county so um that because of that that business, my my client base started to grow exponentially and um and I loved it and so it kind of kept me on this path which I think in my business the hard thing is like my son who's 23 he started he went into real estate years ago but the hardest thing is to find a client like how do you build the base up Um, you have to get really creative and put a lot of time into it. And there can be a lot of time spent where you're not making a paycheck. And so for me, I had this great base started for me and it just snowballed from there.
0: That's fantastic. And and you are right. Especially in San Diego County, it's more of a relationship-driven society, I would say. They want to get to know who you are first before they actually do business with you. And I... I've found that in San Diego, people are genuinely quite loyal. Have you found that, especially in real estate?
1: I I mean, I would say 99% of my clients have just been so loyal. And, you know, there's only a handful that either I've chosen not to work with again, very, very few, or for whatever reason, they went and worked with someone else, not because, you know, whatever they were, a friend's friend or this or that. So, um, I feel really blessed to have my clients because they definitely, um, are what keep me going. I don't really do any marketing. The only marketing I do is in my own neighborhood. Um, but other than that, I, everything's referral based and people I meet. So I'm, I'm so blessed to have that and not have to get out there and, you know, hit the pavement all the time and try to find people because I know the people who are coming to me are great referrals from my clients and I love my clients. So
0: of course, of course, that's what keeps us going. You know, I absolutely love my clients too. And and I'm at a point where I can pick and choose my clients. I'm I'm sure you do absolutely too. So you've been in the real estate business for 17 years, you've seen the ups and downs of it, but what possessed you, because literally it is possession, what possessed you to open your own boutique uh, brokerage?
1: Oh, that's an easy one. So um, when I started in the business in 2003, I went into kind of the corporate real estate world, which is what most agents do. And I am very. I think you and I have talked about this. Term, very um, kind of a do-it-yourself. I don't need to go to a meeting. I don't need to be help, have my hand held. I'm very like if you need it done, it's going to be done yesterday type of person. I'm I'm very anal retentive, <laughs> but um, type A. But so I started in this this you know corporate real estate and. Um, and, and over time, I worked in a couple other real estate firms. One was boutique, one, a couple corporate, um, a smaller one and a large one. And I, all the time, I questioned, like, what am I doing? I don't need someone telling me what to do. I don't need someone saying I have to pay the money. I have to come into the office. I have to you know, do things this way. Because I knew that the way that I did things was was the right way. And I felt comfortable. And I didn't need someone breathing over my shoulder because of my Experience as an attorney, I knew that you know I understood these documents more than ninety nine percent of the agents out there. So <laughs> I, the only reason that it took me so long to do it, that I went seven years, was because literally I was I had I was afraid of the costs involved of incorporating and you know all the things that you do that come with that. And so um, finally one day I just said, "This is ridiculous," and I just did it, and <laughs> it was the best thing. It was really the best decision I've ever made to go out on my own and be my own boss.
0: If I may dovetail on that too, as I said, you and I are living parallel lives, right? Mm-hmm. You have um, two-footed kids. I've got four-footed kids, <laughs> and absolutely love what I do. I like you. I, I started out in in a big firm, got my experience there, went to a smaller firm, and at that point it got to a point where I'm deciding if I can make somebody else money, why can't I do it for myself? Right. Exactly. And then the fact that some of the stuff you, you weren't um, quite familiar with, or it kind of held you back as far as um, starting your business, as far as incorporating it and really creating a real life business where some point down the road, you can actually sell this business, right? You've created goodwill around the name. You've created a great reputation. You've accumulated assets. And now this is a sellable business. So here on the Go Legal Yourself show, we encourage entrepreneurs to start businesses, to grow businesses, and treat the business as if they can get an offer from anyone tomorrow are they ready to sell people aren't going to stick around for maybe a year or 10 years and say okay we'll wait until you're ready to sell it, that's not how business is done right so you finally started your business and how were you how did you grow your business through throughout the years what were some of the most difficult um, difficult obstacles that you had to climb cuz you know we all do. If you've been in business for ten years plus, and how did you get over those?
1: I think in the beginning, when I, the first six months when I signed up with a with a corporate firm and I got my license, I it was really challenging. What I what I did this is way back in two thousand three, before really before email was just a normal everyday thing. Of course, we didn't have texting and all that. So, um, what I did at the time is I. Wrote hand wrote letters to every single person in my address book. Everyone I knew, all my friends, all my family, near, or far, wherever they were. Hey, I started this new business. I'm a real estate agent now uh, in San Diego County. Blah blah blah. You know, please support me, type of thing. And I went on for six months working and showed property and worked with friends of friends, but never actually had a sale. And then there was a new company starting at the time. It was the first internet-based real estate company called Zip Realty. And, uh, I, I went and trained, they flew me out to San uh, San Francisco Bay area. I trained with them, um, on their platform, which was phenomenal. I came back and I basically was given leads and now everybody sells leads. I get calls at least every other day. I get a call or a text or an email selling, trying to sell me leads, which now I, I won't, I refuse to spend money on that but at the time you know they were giving me these leads and everyone in the company was complaining these leads are terrible and oh my gosh I'm gonna quit And, and I just put my head down and I'm like I kept working those leads and they started I started you know picking up clients and selling property so very quickly I I just like I said I just my career just went up and Um, the more I sold, the more leads I was given. And so I didn't really have challenges, I guess, that an average agent today has in the sense that they have to build their own. I mean, yes, you can buy leads, but I just don't think the quality of what's out there is very good. Right. Um, Most people aren't just going to, well, some people will go on a site, uh, like a Redfin or Zillow and they'll try to, you know, Oh, Hey, look, I can get some money back if I work with one of these agents. So click you know but the thing is is yeah you might get the money back but the service you get and I'm not knocking any of these sites but just on these big sites where they try to hook you up with someone in order to give you money that person might not be as experienced as as me or someone who's been in the business for a really long time and has uh also a legal background so i think for me it, in a sense it i guess you could say it was a little easier because of the time i came into it and because of the time that I had to build up my client base before everyone and their mothers jumped into the industry. And, you know, but also for now, what I need to do to keep up is, is really stay on top of, of everything. And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, just technology. So that's, that's always a challenge to keep up with the technology and what's next. And I still, um, I'm old school. So I do a lot of blogging and um, things like that. But I, have, I do video as well and you know, try to keep in touch with my clients.
0: Fantastic. You might hear some noise in the background. You might hear some snoring. I can promise you it's not me. It's a dog. Uh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I, I do have four of them and they're quarantined with me in my office. <laughs> and so if you hear anything, it's just them relaxing. Okay. <laughs> I, I call them my associates. <laughs> yes. So real estate, as as you've said, it's it's changed, right, drastically from the time you started to the time now. Yeah. But there seems to be a mis- misconception for people out there that think that real estate, anybody can literally go past the exam and pick up and start selling property. Um What would your advice be, Rachel, to someone that um, thinks along those lines?
1: Wow. Okay. So you hit a lot of important topics. We'll try to break it down. First of all, real estate is not this just let's jump in and make some money type of situation. It's really a full-time job. And I think the number one misconception is you know when times are bad or or i guess even no when times are even when times are good like right now we're going through this crazy time with the coronavirus but also when times are really good and people see real estate agents making a lot of money they think oh and the test is really kind of a comical thing it's very easy you have to basically be 18 and have a heartbeat and not be a convicted felon and you can you know sit for the real estate exam which you know, you can go online and practice and all the questions that you're, I, I'd say 90% of the questions that are going to be on your exam are, you'll encounter them online if you do enough practice questions. So it's not rocket science. And it, and actually, that is really frustrating to me because as real estate agents, we're dealing with contracts. We're dealing with legalities. You're buying or selling a home is a major legal decision and and it has ramifications and if you don't do something right especially if you're a seller you don't tell your buyer something in the disclosures you're not just liable temporarily you're liable for a long time thereafter so um, i've actually last year was the first year that i had two clients who are now in um, big law uh, legal situations because they were the buyers and the sellers. I can't believe what the sellers did in both instances completely failed to disclose Mm -hmm. um, some things that we had no way of knowing. So I think because you're getting into this kind of situation, you have to consider that this isn't just kind of a like jump in and do it. You really have to a, you know, you go past your exam, but you, a, you should work with somebody who is very experienced in the beginning because yes, can anyone do this? They can probably right, right. after they've been shown how, but um, the you know the important thing is you do it correctly and you 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 do it in a way that you know keeps your shields your client from liability and what also I, yeah go ahead
0: yeah what what I've seen Rachel touching upon that is especially with real estate agents they think that they are protected by the brokerage that they're under or they can hang their license with someone when it comes. Push comes to shove, they still literally are independent contractors. And if they don't incorporate themselves to protect themselves, because they can get sued, it's not just the brokerage, but the individual real estate agent can get sued personally. And they'll probably say, Well, I have insurance. Have they actually sat down and read what's included in the insurance, what's excluded, and whether you have any priors? Is your rate going to go up? Are you ever going to get insurance coverage moving forward? Any time you're doing business with the public, you know highly recommend yes, be incorporated if you're nice. you're self employed and two get get proper insurance and make sure you understand what coverage you have as far as um, like you said, yes, you know somebody can do it, but at least get the experience with uh, a either a brokerage or another real estate agent that's been in the business for a while because just like any other profession, the contracts have recently changed, haven't they? Probably about two or three years ago.
1: There's always changes. and In fact, two weeks ago, the California Association of Realtors came out with a new uh, coronavirus form. So, you know, there's always changes. And, you know, and it's actually a contingency, for, you know, giving, giving the buyer and the seller rights if, if something's not closing because of the lender or because of, you know, things are lagging because of something with the virus. And I mean, it's actually it's a great thing. But, you know, how many agents have read that?
0: Exactly. I have. But, you know, <laughs> exactly. The
1: thing is, is when you're in this business, you have to not only um, keep up, you, you have to keep up with all the new things and the laws that are changing, but you also have to understand the contracts. And if you're not an attorney, the thing is, is, you know, if you or I look at the contract to us, it's, we can explain it to somebody. And I get questions a lot. Like, can you explain this? As a real estate agent, if you are not a lawyer, you cannot explain that to your client. You can give them kind of a general idea, but if it's a legal question, you have to advise your client to talk to a lawyer. Right. And I see this time and time again. I hear agents giving giving legal advice, which, you know, you can you can not only be sued for giving legal advice, but you can lose your license and have to pay a really heavy fine. So you, have, it's really a fine line between... Um, Acting as this fiduciary for somebody, but at the same time, you can't be—you're uh, not their attorney. And even—even right. even myself, like I, I have a, my own form that my clients sign, whether they're buying or selling. I have a lot of investor clients, and they sign this form, just just letting them know that even though I'm an attorney and I'm helping them through this process, and I will do the best that I can to help them, I'm not acting as their attorney. So if they want legal advice, they have to go out and get separate counsel because. I can't put myself in that position. It's almost like um, kind of like a dual agency type comparison, I guess. Right,
0: right, exactly.
1: So, so I think there's just a lot of legal pitfalls that you have to really watch out for. And if you are an agent or you're just getting into this business or you've been in it a long time, I know so many agents. I've seen so many um, situations that just – My husband says like, Rachel, after all these years, you should, there's nothing should faze you. And I said every week, there's something that comes up that somebody does. That's just a major blunder that could create a lawsuit. And it just blows my mind because there is very little oversight from the brokers. Um, I have an agent, I've had several agents, but I I don't want to be a manager. So I don't want to have like a huge pool of agents. So I don't do that. But, um, I do have an agent and I have had a couple others and I am very, um, I'm probably obnoxious in their eyes because I I don't let anything go out until I read it.
0: You have <laughs> to. You absolutely have to. What well, uh, are your plans, Rachel, for the growth of your company?
1: Um, right now, it's just kind of uh, I just really focus on just the grassroots stuff, and just to me, it's so important. Like I'd rather I'd rather have. I'm one person, so um, yes, I could form a team and I could hire thirty agents, like a lot of people around here do, and I could. You know, sell a lot more, but then I lose the control of overseeing um, the entire transaction and making sure my clients are really protected. And to me, that's more important. So it's and plus, like I said, I'm one person, and I would I would just lose um, so, so much of not necessarily the control, not indicating that I'm a control freak in any way, but to me, it's all about. It's not just about selling a house; it's about the relationship with my client. So if their relationship is going to suffer because I now have five clients to deal with instead of two this month or three or whatever it is, um, I won't I won't work with somebody because I, I have to be able to give it 100% to everyone I work with so they know that they've gotten the best advice they can get and the best help. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in real estate is especially with the agents that are so busy and right. a lot of them set up teams and they have... Um, you know, like I said, you know, I know this one agent, he's a huge agent in San Diego County. He, he just had a podcast the other day and he said he has 40, 40 properties in escrow. Okay, well, you know.
0: Good Lord.
1: Yeah. I mean, the oversight. So, so I had two in escrow, but you know, it's, it's, to me, I know that those two are getting, getting all of my, everything I can give them. So right. it's, you know, like I said before, if you want to go work with a company that's going to give you money back and you're going to go meet an agent, they're going to show you the house and you don't know them from Adam and they might be, you know, 18, just out of high school, and then, then you want to write an offer. And so now another person's going to come in and write this offer for you from that team because the first person that showed you the house is only the person that shows the house. And then they write an offer. And then a the third person's going to meet you over there to do your inspections and this and that. I, I, I personally, I mean, some people might like that. Um, a lot of hands in the pot, so to speak, but I I personally don't work that way. So right. if you work with me, you work with me from the start to the close and thereafter.
0: Um, and again, here goes the parallel, right? Yeah. I deliberately have kept yeah. my law firm small, deliberately, yeah. because I'm the one that I want my clients to engage with. They don't have to call the office and talk to a secretary and then talk to a paralegal and then talk to a first year right. associate and then eventually get to me. This right. is the type of relationship that I've built with my clients. And I think one of the major successes that I see between both of our businesses is exactly that. It's um, customer service, right? It's putting the client first. It's making sure that you're consistent. So I have been consistent from day one all the way through the 10 years, and I'm continuing to be consistent. So when an entrepreneur is thinking of starting their business and they really have to think about what type of culture, what type of ethics, what type of, you know, mission or vision they want to bring to the business. Rachel, I always thought, right, every time when you 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 go to some sort of class that they talk about, okay, well, what type of business do you want to have? Uh you have to envision it, you have to, what's the mission for it? And what's the vision for it? I always used to think the mission and the vision was just BS. I didn't understand it. This was initially before I even went into opening my own firm. And again, when you open your own firm, you have no idea what you're doing, right? You don't know sort of uh, what type of business you want. You have no idea whether you want to add people. You don't know whether you want diff- different multiple locations. And sometimes a business plan is a perfect thing to have. But if you've been in business and you know, okay, year one was good and now year two is good and year three is getting even better. And what's that one thing that's all the way through those years? It's consistency. I right. still have my very first client that I had 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. right? still, still get repeat business from him. I still get referrals from him. And it's because you consistently deliver the same um, level of service that they're used to, and I think for the entrepreneurs out there that they really have to start thinking about that at some point too if um, are you getting more clients, and what's the reason for you getting more clients?
1: Right.
0: Are you reducing more clients? What did you do in the past, and why aren 't they sticking with you now? These are so many things that really go into planning you know the future of a business um, as far as your other activities go, right? Because I am super busy with other activities. Love law, love practicing law, but it seems like, you know, we, we've got, we're, we're creative people. So there's so many other different things that we're doing. And again, another huge similarity, you are an author. Do you have a copy of your book? Um
1: I do, but not in front of me. Do you want me to grab it? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: grab it real quick. And, okay, and, one okay. second.
1: So I've always been a writer. Um, I love writing since I was a little child. I wrote stories and I've always been a really strong writer. So kind of, it's interesting that I went into what I went into, which really doesn't have much to do with with being creative and writing either legally, because legal writing is so different and, or, um, or as a real estate agent, of course. So my, my, My next goal in life or my retirement is really to write. And I did write a novel in 2003, but I didn't publish it. Um, It's a legal thriller about a female attorney, really strong female attorney. And in 2008... Why didn't you publish it? uh, Well, it needs a lot of... uh, Again, like I said, I'm a type A. It needs a lot of work because I wrote it very piecemeal when my kids were little, like a day here, you know, five hours here. So it needs some editing. But one day I'm going to turn that into a screenplay because it'll be a fabulous movie. It's a lot of action. Um, And in 2008, I wrote the first book on uh, options to foreclosure because the housing market was crashing and I was working with another woman at her boutique brokerage, brokerage and all of our clients were calling us like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? You know, we realized that there was nothing online, in bookstores, anywhere that talked about foreclosure options. The only option that was being talked about at the time was turning in your keys, which they called mortgage walkaway. They, you know, drop all your keys and you can walk away into the sunset and be finished. But, and people were doing this. People were so relieved to have this, this option, but we realized what it was, especially from a legal perspective it was basically an intentional foreclosure when you could have had so many other options. So I wrote this book and it went, it did really well. I was supposed to be on Larry King, but that show got canceled the last time because there's some riot or something in LA or I don't remember, but um, I got some local press and the book did really well. And then of course everyone copied me. (laughs) So, but anyway, I'm really good at writing those kinds of help books, but I love writing children's stories. My children are both adults now, but um, this is a story I wrote when they were kids and it's called Benny Bear's Dream. Yeah. And um, it's and a where really... can someone
0: purchase that?
1: So. so it can be purchased on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com okay. and it's a really sweet story. But the greatest thing about it is um, I was adopted, so my big passion is helping foster kids. And so what I did was I... I donate a portion of the proceeds to foster care organizations and, you know, I'm never going to make money from this book, but it's like I, for me to be able to share the story and to help in some small way, and maybe, um, as I, as I move forward, I'm actually going to be working on a a story about myself and my birth father. And it's probably going to be fiction, but I'm going to draw a lot of, uh, uh, draw references to, you know, being adopted and that kind of thing. And hopefully same thing that I can maybe, um, you know, create a more awareness about foster care.
0: That's that's really incredible, really yeah. touches the heart. And you're a very accomplished uh, woman, Rachel, very accomplished. And we're super honored to have you on the show. Yeah. Um, would you like to share anything else with the audience?
1: I would just say that if you're considering going to real estate or no matter what, I mean, I think a woman can do anything. You know, I've never, I was raised with that mindset. Like it doesn't matter, you know, what my genitalia are, (laughs) I can do whatever I want. And I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of women, I think in this time, in this age, because what's been going on with the women's movement, we're really coming into our own. And so if you're a woman and you're thinking of starting a business, do it because don't be afraid. It doesn't matter. When I started in law, by the way, I remember I was in a courtroom once. I had my my attorney that I worked for handing me a file and said, "You need to go and you need to get this this hearing postponed because you know we need more time." Super simple. We had every reason for it to be personal. I went to court. I was twenty five years old. I was a pretty woman. I walked into the court. I was very young looking and the attorneys on the other side two older men probably in their you know well i say older at the time i was 25 so they're probably in their 50s maybe late 50s they took one look at me and they they in that second decided to take advantage of me because i was a young woman and what then transpired just i walked out of there we didn't have cell phones at the time and i got on the payphone and called my my attorney and i i was speechless i'm like i just got taken completely advantage of and i got my postponement denied and i was raging mad so i think it's enough like it's enough there's no there's there's no inequality we're not the weaker sex we're not the one you know if you're a woman and you want to start a business go for it just
0: just, do it just do it just
1: do it and don't be afraid like i was afraid like i said of you know the fees and the taxes and the filing and really you know if if they can go to you or you know i mean it's it's If you have someone who can tell you everything you need to do, it's a lot less scary. And yes, it costs a little bit of money, but in the end, it's so worth it. And if you can be your own boss, if you can be a strong woman and be your own boss and do what you love to do.
0: That's priceless. That that itself is completely priceless. So I have written a book, right? Go legal yourself. And that does tell you the steps on how to start a business, how to grow a business, and eventually how to sell it for millions. That's the goal. And I also wrote a second book, Rachel, and that's called Go Own Yourself. And that was specifically written for the entrepreneurs that are still sitting on the sideline, right? Okay, they have a business, but how do they actually go out and become recognized and become noticed? Because the world is so, so busy, and you might have heard this too, that we as a society as, as human beings, our attention span is less than a goldfish now, right Goldfish are what eight seconds I think we 're about seven seconds. How That's pathetic true. is that That's but, true. right and, and as business owners, right you really need to stand out from the crowd wow. absolutely need to stand out and so yes, take no one 's going to take you seriously, man or woman, if you 're not set up properly if you're not if you 're self employed and you 're not incorporated, I cannot. Press how important this is enough. If you're self-employed and you're not incorporated, mm-hmm. you're running a hobby. No one's going to take you seriously. All those older gentlemen, especially women, if you're not incorporated, you older older men, anyone, they're not going to take you seriously. And in fact, I had a, a huge honor, Rachel, in March uh, earlier this this month. It is Women's Month, isn't it? March. Um, I believe it's Women's Month. The magazine called Insights Success Magazine. They graced me by putting me on the cover of their magazine and I was featured in a topic called Top 20 Business Women to Watch in 2020. So if, you know, Women can be on covers of business-related magazines now going forward, and you've got women running Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. I'm sure any woman sitting at home thinking about starting a business, just do it. Just yeah. get up and do it. But the one thing that you have to, have to have is passion for what you're doing. Right. You have to have passion for what you're doing. Well, Rachel, how can our audience get in touch with you?
1: So, um, I, once again, I sell real estate in San Diego County. Um, I have a website. It's lamarrealestate.org and that's L-A-M-A-R. I should have put my little uh, little info on the bottom. That's and okay. you can you can email me at rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, at lamarrealestate.org. And I'm also um, on Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook page, Rachel Lamar, Lamar Real Estate. Uh, I do a lot of blogging on my website. You can you can actually, if you, I have a lot of information on my website for buyers and sellers, especially in, related, in relation to short sales. And you can access, uh, you know, listings on my website. You can read my blog, you can get some information. And yeah, if you, if you want to reach me, you can also always Google me, Rachel Lamar, Lamar Real Estate, and Perfect. find ways to contact me.
0: We're going to have all of your information on our show notes. So when okay. people listen to your episode, they can have a look at the show notes and contact you via that way. We've got live links as well. Okay. Great. And uh, again, want to thank you, Rachel, for being part of this show and sharing yeah. your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And hopefully we can have you back again shortly.
1: I love it. Yeah.
0: And For my audience that's out there, please feel free to leave us your feedback and comments on my contact page. You can go to, again, download the app, Go Legal Yourself uh, from any of your app stores. It's completely free and you can contact the show that way and feel free to leave comments, ask questions, uh, reach out to any of our guests that we have interviewed on the show. And remember, the only way you become successful is if you make today the day you go legal yourself. I am attorney Kelly Bagler, the queen of business law, and it's been a pleasure being your host today. Until next time, cheers to your success.